It's spooky time. Ooh. Ooh. Welcome. Here's our theme song. I have to go fill up my water. Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but they sure as heck are spooky uh, and fun. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Boos. It's the end of October, uh, so it's it's nice. It's, it's brisk out. I it's mean, my favorite time of year. While we're we're recording, it's a nice autumn rain um, but it's only it's only gonna get brisker from here I'm so excited uh, we've had some spoilers but not all the spoilers for midnight hunt yeah um, which uh, should be fully spoiled by the end of the week but you know we got a schedule to make uh, so you know, it isn't until you say in midnight hunt that you realize you really want to enunciate that carefully Mm, well, this is a family show, Bruce. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, uh, today we just wanted to to really steep in that Innistrad flavor. Uh, so I was like, hey, let's pick three cards from Innistrad, whether it's from a standard legal set, a... What's the word? Why do I always forget this word? Uh it's not Eternal? like it's like the it's not the like main stuff it's the ancillary i guess product ancillary product there we go sure we've got the 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 standard legal stuff that was like the the how many ever sets six sets yeah uh and then we've got things like commander 2018 2019 i think so yeah some some madness stuff um so, you bring in all that Innistrad flavor, and we, I was like, let's pick three cards, whatever they are. Right, and I was like, Andy, why three? Why not 13? That would be Innistrad flavor. And then Andy hit me over the head and said, idiot, 13? Are you crazy? And um, <laughs> this is our 39th episode, and three times 13 is 39. Got there. I'm a math nerd. Um... Yeah, um, I just, I wasn't around for either time that we went to Innistrad. Uh, I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't playing Magic, is what I mean. So I, I've been really excited for these sets. Uh, I am. I was really looking forward to this. Well, I was sort of looking forward to this. these, uh, these two sets coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know... Innistrad, great. You know, I, I, I remember vaguely liking the, the previous ones when they were here. And that, you know, hopefully these will be good too. And then I, uh, then I realized that as I started going through it, I started realizing how many good cards had come, come out of Innistrad. Um, and if anything, this has just made me more excited for, for the two new sets that are coming out. Uh, my... Level of excitement has gone from a six up to an eight or a nine. Whoa! So, yeah, uh, getting a chance to really look through this, uh, and I mean, not only are the cards good, but I really enjoyed the I enjoyed the 
the storyline of it. I mean, sure, there was a bit of an Eldrazi twist there that I wasn't excited about, but I did like the way the story went. I like what they're doing with that storyline. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it, uh, where it goes from here and seeing all of the cards they choose to put together for these uh, for the two new sets. Yeah, I mean, from I mean, I've had a, obviously a, a distant uh, relationship with the story of Innistrad, but it seems pretty straightforward. And then there's there's Emrakul who gets trapped in the moon uh, and terrorizes people from there. Um, interested to see how that plays out now if things are going linearly. Um, I'm excited because. I really like before it was like the old school like vampires, werewolves, zombies, like right. the the classic stuff. Um, and then with the introduction of Emrakul on Innistrad, it's kind of like uh, who uh, who scares the scary people? Right. Uh, tentacles. Yes. Uh, so uh, it it'll be interesting now that they're kind of leaning towards more like of a modern horror aspect um but yeah i mean i'm i'm super stoked yeah um so given all that we've each chosen three cards to talk about from uh from the in from the world of innistrad uh i don't believe either one of us have chosen any of the new cards rather mm. than rather than pick and choose from the cards that are revealed now only to have you say well why wouldn't you pick this later on because right. well we didn't know so we sort of kept our focus on on the older yeah on the older aspects and so. that, with that too there wasn't really any like restriction there it was the no. most vague let's talk about three cards each yeah uh, so if we don't happen to discuss what you think is the best card in all of Innistrad it's not because we don't think it's the best card it's because we just chose other cards to other cards to talk about yeah. These, these are by no means the best cards. Uh, one or two of them might be, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> well, the cards I picked I thought were pretty awesome, but yeah. I wouldn't necessarily classify them as the best. So, Andy, you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, my first one, um, Lightning Mauler. It's one in a red. It's a 2-1 with Soul Bond. It's a creature, obviously. Human Berserker. Uh, as long as Lightning Mauler is paired with another creature both creatures have haste um so soul bond is you may pair this pair this creature with another unpaired creature when either enters the battlefield they remain paired for as long as you control both of them um i just found this really cool because i i mean we've seen soul bond uh on the battlefield um there are a few, yeah. there are a few cards out there that get uh a lot of play in commander and i don't think i've ever seen lightning mauler before uh while searching through these cards i was like oh this is interesting because you have it and then you put down another creature and now they can be paired and it has haste right and then you can feel free to attack with it because if it dies you can put down another creature and give it haste and like kind of keep this one back as either a blocker or something i guess right um, it's not great, but uh, it's a very cheap way to give things haste. Right. Um, I particularly like the Mauler. Um, if you're running the Mauler in, well, I guess primarily black-red, hmm. um, 
one, you're you're giving the creature haste. Uh, two, in a black red in a black red deck where you're where you're looking to sacrifice a creature, it's very handy because um, I mean the difficulty with soul bond is once the two creatures are bonded, if neither one of them dies, the next card right. you put on the battlefield doesn't get haste. Right. However, if you are sacking creatures regularly as part of what your deck does, then in theory, the creature that's paired with the that's bonded with the mauler could be the next one to die, and then in comes the next creature with haste, and away you go again. So, I love it. Yeah. Um, as as somebody who likes to sack a lot of creatures, it uh, it tickles my fancy. Right. Um, yeah. There's not much I want to say about it, um, but it's you know, I feel like it's underplayed. Right. And it's interesting. Um, Something I never really thought about with Soulbond, uh, you can pair uh, you can pair a creature with a token creature when it comes in. Mm. Um, normally, I just for whatever reason in my head, the only time I ever bond any of these creatures is when it's with usually with another creature card because it has some effect or some ability. Right. You you know you want to put the two awesome two pieces of awesome together, um, and it's just. Uh, yeah, you know, this this would go it well. Works, it works with tokens. So if you've managed to create a loop where you've got a 5-5 five, five, uh, token creature coming into play at the start of each of your turns, well, you now have a 5-5 five, five that has haste. Oh, Dragon Master Outcast. outcast. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can make that work. Um, yeah, yeah. All I right. think, I think uh, it, that's an interesting route to go with the tokens, too. Like... It would go well in like a Naya tokens deck, or um, even just a like a green red gruel tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, you're gonna get tokens when come in haste, attack once, sack it. Yeah, for you know for mana for some kind of benefit, and go from there. And it, I mean, you don't even have to sack it right away. You can sack it, you know, before just before the next one comes in if that's the way you want to work it. However, yeah. Makes for an interesting combo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your next one? Or what's your first one? My first one. All right. Um, for my first one, I'm going to go with uh, Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going, <laughs> I'm going for the big guns right off the bat. Good. Yes. Uh, Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, it costs seven. That's four, uh, four uh, a red and two white mana. Uh, it's a legendary creature angel. It has flying and first strike. And if a source would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, that source deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. If a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half of that damage rounded up. So what this means is... Uh, oh, and Gisela is also a 5-5. Five, five. So when Gisela attacks... It means she's doing 10 damage, not 5. And whoever does damage to her, it gets cut in half, rounded, de- rounded up. Um, so if a 5-5 a five, five creature is blocking Gisela, it only ends up doing 3. You can see how difficult this is. It becomes to kill Gisela, especially when you realize she also has first strike. So mm. a first strike that's doing 10 damage doesn't generally leave a lot of blockers behind to finish to to do the nine that would do nine points of damage that would get 
yeah. cut in half and round it up to, to kill her. Um, more importantly, it's a political move. It's a political move. Um, <clears throat> it it strongly encourages your opponents to go elsewhere, and you say to yourself, "Man, it's just a bad play." Everybody knows that if you're running Gisela, and she's out there, you they should be attacking you because yeah. you are clearly the big threat. Especially if you're looking around the table and everybody's using creature combat, because suddenly it's hard. But it is amazing. Players will not come at you. They just It's just a waste of their time. They're not willing to do it. They're going for the value. But, well, yeah, they're going for the value. Because now suddenly they think, oh, you know, I've got all these 1-1 tokens. And now they're all going to do two points of damage? <laughs> awesome. So they swing at other players. And they score big points. And you practically are just sitting there doing nothing. Because... Why attack with Gisela and risk losing her when you can just sit there? Because the red player can't do enough damage to her to kill her. Mm. They're relying on creature removal or a, or a mass removal spell or something along that line. And, you know, that... It almost becomes oppressive. Uh, but it is just... I mean, and the it fact is... that it's seven mana is good uh, oh yeah i mean this for this effect you don't want it to be much cheaper mm. um and we are talking especially especially when this came out uh red and white were not particularly great at accumulating at, yeah. at ramping um obviously with treasures with smothering tithe with all of the various other options uh it's gotten a lot better and getting to seven mana in these two colors is a lot easier than it used to be but um yeah it was just it's just been a spectacular card in in more than one of my decks so yeah um i always appreciate getting a chance to play a an angel wielding two swords there's a lot of uh red enchantments mm. that you know add damage or do a damage each turn or do a damage when something happens um whether it's creature entering the battlefield or yeah. whatever pick your pick your poison um when with gisella doubling all of that uh so many things that were tolerable before because it was just a point here or a point there <laughs> gets miserable and i keep thinking of is it court of ire mm -hmm. so court of ire is five red red no three red red it's one of those yeah it's an enchantment um, when enters the battlefield, you become the monarch at the beginning of your upkeep. If you are the monarch, deal seven damage to target. Uh, yeah, that's if you uh, are not, fourteen damage, folks. If you are not, uh, if you are not monarch, it deals two instead. Right now, which is four, which is I find with when Court of Ire hits, mm. what happens is everyone attacks you because nobody wants you to be doing seven mm. to anybody because seven's too much. You, you can take out. There's a lot of things you can do with seven damage. Um, so this now you only have two. Well, okay, you can still get rid of a lot of creatures with two damage, but it's a little more manageable. So with Gisela out, even if you're not the monarch, mm -hmm. you're doing four. And four takes out most of the creatures. Um, so it's just sort of an example of uh, just how oppressive Gisela can get. 
Mm. So, Andy, what's your next card? Uh, Halana, Kessig Ranger. Three green, three four. Human Archer. Uh, with Reach, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay two. When you do, that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature. So, um, along the same lines, uh, what is it? Rabid Bite, also an Innistrad card. Uh, just kind of tacked on to an ability that you can just kind of keep paying for if need be. Andy, did you mention that it has partner? Oh, it does have partner. Oh, oh, it has partner. Mm. Mm. All right, folks. So, <laughs> talk about slow rolling the lead. <laughs> um, so, well, alone, Halana is fantastic. I've. Yeah. Uh, the one Commander Legends draft I did. Uh, I played against her, and it's nuts. Um, having Rabid Bite tacked onto your creature entering the battlefield, yeah. um, especially since it's not a spell, is very powerful. It kind of gets right. around a lot of uh, counters. Right. And, and this isn't fight either. These creatures are not taking the damage mm, back. They're just dealing it. Uh, so if you're running a lot of Death Touch... Uh, excellent she'd go great in uh and you can partner her with with something that gives all your creatures death touch right i'm if sure I'm remembering right yeah um Falthus, i think i uh, think so Falthus, shadow cat familiar commanders oh commanders you control of neither some death uh, touch okay. um but either way your point stands yeah i mean there's plenty right, of things of out there that give things death touch yeah. um uh what is his name fang something uh, Finn, the Fangbearer. Uh, one in a green, one three, Death Touch um, from Kaldheim. Uh, she would go great in that deck because um, he says whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. So you're going to be filling your deck up with Death Touch things anyway. They come onto the battlefield, you pay the two kills something and then your other creatures can get right through um it's great um i guess bruce also wants me to talk about uh elena Kessig trapper uh or partner um that just makes sense yes that's generally what i think when they when they introduced this that was the yeah it was the the overall but they didn't do a partner with yeah because i mean you know why not open it up Uh, yeah this is a this is a this is a a legendary creature with a nice ability and choose to partner her with there are so there are so many options now with partner Mm. um that you can go all over and i think that this is a, a sweet way to yeah to bump that up a little. Yeah, I really liked with Commander Legends that they had like some clear lines for yeah. certain pairings, but uh, still let you have the the freedom to pick and choose right. to mix and match. Um, Elena is four and a red, four three, first strike, uh, human scout, tap, add an amount of red equal to the greatest power among creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn. So they're not like super synergistic, but they're both about getting creatures, hopefully big ones, out on the battlefield, yeah. which makes sense for green and red. Yeah. Um, 
you look at their art they're very they're very much in Innistrad uh, and they're they're just the whole aesthetic is fantastic and I'm yeah. so excited for fall <laughs> yeah uh, so I kind of wanted to reach out with that one and be like hey look at this card that's clearly on Innistrad but not uh, like a like a standard set right uh, to me, the only uh, the only restriction with Halana mm-hmm. is just remember that uh, paying two more on top of having just paid for a creature mm-hmm. can get pricey. Yeah. Um, so it isn't as though you're going to be you know shotgun blasting everything. This is going to be there is going to be a certain amount of pick and choose. You're probably only playing a creature every. Well, I guess it depends on your deck. Um, this is green, Bruce. I understand that. Two things I know about green. Lots of mana, lots, lots of, of creatures. creatures. Um, <laughs> generally speaking, the, you know, I mean, realistically, you're you're looking to play the big creature. Yeah. Pay two and then just hammer something or hammer another creature. Um, so I don't know that you're going to be paying this too many times. My thought was, uh, you know, if you can, you know, if you've got a spell that puts... X number of creatures into play. Yeah. How many times are you willing to pay the extra two to have each of those creatures do that amount of damage? But um, yeah. So maybe in those situations that might be a little difficult. But I mean, that's a corner case, and yeah, I Kalana mean, is quite happy to just pump up what you are what you're already planning to do with green. Yeah, and I think with I think with Halana specifically. Um, I think she makes a great commander because I mean I'm I'm of the mindset that generally the uncommon legendaries make really good commanders because they let you flex a little bit more of the creative the creative the the creative deck building aspect but also that it's not too powerful but it's not too linear. Uh, yeah, it's nice because it you can build around it if you want, right? Um, but you're not going to be horribly punished especially for a card like this, if you don't. I mean, it just does what green wants to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, and it's not overpowering. Uh, it's... It, it's fine. What are, you, what are you following up with her? Or what are you following her up with? Um, well, I'm going to stick with green. Uh, I'm going to go with a card that, well, to be fair, probably doesn't work real well with Halana. But uh, <laughs> I love me some parallel lives. Oh, goody. <laughs> um, so Parallel Lives is essentially the uh, what was supposed to be the fixed doubling season. I like to refer to it as the my broken. second copy of doubling season. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do quite as much, but uh, Parallel Lives costs three and a green. It's an enchantment, and it says, if an effect would put one or more tokens onto the battlefield under your control, it puts twice that many tokens twice that many of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So this is tokens, not not tokens or counters. So it's <laughs> nowhere near as good as doubling season. Mm-hmm. But when you consider that a lot of the decks that you were looking to put doubling season in are decks that didn't involve an excessive number of plus and plus one counters, um, then suddenly Parallel Lives is almost as good. Yeah, there are. I mean, I play a ton of token decks, and you know, when you get the opportunity to have five tokens, it doubles it. And we're talking about Innistrad, so you could look at um, 
an army of the damned with 13 zombies. <laughs> yep. And with doubling with parallel lives, you're looking at 26 right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I've taken a, a scenario where, you know, that's, that's, a, you know, one of those almost as good as it gets scenarios. Yeah. Um, or imagine paying madness for, from under the floorboards. Right. Where you make it's, uh, for madness is black, black X, um, and you essentially would make X tokens, but with parallel lives. You're making two X tokens. Um, gets out of hand real fast. Yeah. Um, um, I also like parallel lives. I mean, I don't need a spell that's going to create X tokens to feel like parallel lives is doing its job. Yeah. Um, anytime. Yeah. Anytime I mean, you're getting a token creature. Uh, I mean, or treasure. Or tre- well, is it just creatures? Uh, no, it's it's treasures as well. It, mm, it, goody. Any token. So you can double up your tokens. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you're getting treasure, you're getting double the treasure. Um, but, I mean, I look at it. If I get a 3-3 creature, now I'm getting two of them. Mm. Uh, you know, it doesn't take too many of those types of scenarios to start to, to say that Parallel Lives is now worth it. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it's a four mana enchantment, um, and I, I mean, I feel like I've always looked at it as like, oh, it's so powerful, but it's, it's, it's not really. I mean, um, well, it is. Uh, I just think that doubling sea, it just gets compared to doubling season, which is redonkulous. I mean, you you know, you can't compare it to a broken card. It's like saying, you know, it's like saying that, uh, you know. Well, compared to Black Lotus, this isn't very good. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, there. I think it does, like, still, like, it requires more from you. Like, it, it doesn't do anything on its own. Um, like, you need to be able to create tokens uh, beyond just having this enchantment. Right. Um, yeah, which, you're- like, you're probably putting into your deck, obviously. Um, and. I think like like I feel for a rare it's fine. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they ever reprint it if they upshift it to like mythic, but um, that's just because it's a fifty dollar card and needs more reprints because it shouldn't be fifty dollars. Right. Um, well, Scryfall has it in Jumpstart Historic Horizons. Right, which is a yeah. digital only format. Right. Uh, so as long as as long as we keep going, um, you know, I think uh, you know what else is in that tropical islands. Nice. So nice. Uh, Cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so generally speaking, if you're putting parallel lives in a deck, you're going to abuse the crap out of it, <clears throat> um, and you're going to be happy it's there. Uh, it, there, yeah. there are there are just so many cards that make a token creature, and every single set that comes out, you get more and more and more of them. Um, this even works really well when you're dealing with um, a card that gives you a token until the end of the turn. Great, you just got another one. I mean, who cares if they're gone at the end of the turn? You just doubled that. Mm. Um, I I've, I've run parallel lives in I don't know how many decks. Um, one of the decks that I have enjoyed running it in is uh, a deck that features Nakatal War Pride. Um, I'm not going to go into too much details. 
other than to say uh, when it attacks, put X tokens into play, tapped and attacking, that are copies of Nakata War Pride, where X is the number of creatures defending player controls. Uh, remove the tokens from the game at the end of the turn. And I mean the first the first line is also relevant. Uh, it must be blocked by exactly one creature available. So right. So if you put X, it means that one of them gets through. If you have two X, it means over half of them <laughs> are getting through. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, you know it was a nice way to set things up. And of course, I had a sack outlet so I could kill them off and get a benefit before they. Mm disappeared on me yeah so sack the blocked ones and sack the blocked ones and sack them all because mm. they were leaving they were i was losing them at the end of the oh yeah you sacked them all to uh i sacked them all to altar of dementia, dementia yeah which allowed oh. me to uh which forced my opponents to mill cards and uh that got progressively more disgusting as we went along but um yeah so parallel lives just a great card i mean you know, you're good. You know, considering the deck you're running it in, it it's going to be an essential card. So, yeah. Uh, before I get to my last one, because um, that was two, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's take it to break. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a, a, a themed uh, advertisement for you uh, for our special Halloween. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's been a long day. Uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Deadeye Navigator. Just another one of the cards from our Innistrad set that perhaps, maybe, mm, maybe you don't play it. Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, back to you, Andy. Hey, we're back. Hey. hey. Uh, we each have a card left. Mm-hmm. And a, a beautiful abundance of love for the plane of Innistrad. Go team. Go team. Go team vampires. Go team Soren. Oh, go team. Yeah, that's not popular. Go team uh, Markov, or oh, yeah, no, that it's Soren. Soren. Go team, who are the other ones? Uh, Falkenrath. Voldorn. Voldorn. There's too many, too many families. Yes. What is this? Uh, New Capenna? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anyway, my last card. <laughs> uh, let me find it. Um, my last card is is uh, Falconrath Noble. Um, Good card. I uh, I really like my my Tesa Karlov aristocrat deck, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone I play against, <laughs> especially Bruce. Um, but I mean, it all kind of starts with this card. I feel like this. I feel like this. Uh, this card specifically, sure. Like the the archetype is named probably more for Falconrath Aristocrat uh, because right. you can sack the creature 
itself. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's these type of effects, the blood artist effects, uh, also in an Estrade card. Right. Uh, that uh, I feel like this one does the thing I want it to do most. Part of why I like the Noble, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that the Noble only hits one person. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that kind of likes that. I yeah. like the ability where if you're not out in front, you now get the opportunity to target the player who is. Yeah. Um, you garner some goodwill from the table. Yes, they have a pretty good idea what's coming, but they're not going to slam you down. Mm. You know, until you start hitting everybody. Yeah. And as long as it's the noble that's doing the job, then you're just focusing it on one guy and just you know letting them have it yeah and if they're killing like if somebody's killing your creatures you can just be like oh well you you take the damage of course um those who don't know falcon Roth noble three uh three and a group three and a gray three and a gray sure three or and a black, black probably uh two two flyer vampire noble uh when falcon Roth noble <laughs> or another creature dies any creature uh target player loses one life and you gain one life um well, I it think doesn't have to be yours. Yeah, and I think what also puts this above, uh, there's two things more that put it above okay. Blood Artist. Uh, sure, it's four mana, but it's a two-two, so you have the risk of incidental have, damage doesn't just right. Yeah, um, it, you can also keep it up as a blocker. You really can't with a zero-one uh, that Blood Artist is. Uh, because I mean, blood artist, you're not going to attack with it, but like you're definitely not going to block with it unless right. you really have to. I mean, blood artist is come on, blood artist has the strength of a fruit fly. Uh, you know, it's an enchantment that you, somebody you, told to be a creature. Right. You, you know, you blink at it the wrong way and it's gone. Mm. Um, whereas Falconrath Noble, sure, I know, a two-two doesn't sound that much bigger, but a two-two with flying, it worst case, you know, worst case scenario. You get a chump block against that big nasty guy. Mm. I mean, obviously not what you want to be doing, but if you have to, you can. Yeah. And it also is a way to get in yeah. a couple extra points of damage here and there. Yeah, you can either fly over their heads and hit them, right. or you can block way up in the air, which is great. Um, and just just having that blocker, even though it could just, you'd have to chump with it. Right. Um almost incentivizes the person with flying creatures to go elsewhere just because they want to get that damage through. I love that card. Um, Oh, I know you do. Yeah. Um, I'm also a fan of the Noble, uh, primarily because, um, well, for any of you who've been listening to our our podcast, you know full well, uh, I am a Tombstone Stairwell Junkie, (laughs) and the Noble is vicious with Tombstone Stairwell. Just mm. vicious. You've got a lot of tokens coming in and out. And if you're targeting the same player over and over again, it's it not going to take very long. Yeah. Take long. Uh, I mean, you're likely, you're likely forcing one opponent to lose six life and gaining six life before, by the end of your, oppo- end of your first opponent's end step. That's sort those sort of numbers when they pile up with four players, things go fast. Yeah. So, um, it's just something uh, that I've enjoyed putting together and seeing how that, watching that combo go to work. So, so, all right, that's my three. I got one left. Yeah, one left. One left. 
Um, and uh, considering that I ran with Parallel Lives last time, uh, I'm going to go with another enchantment. Uh, pick a different color. Uh, and we're going to go with my next favorite option. If I can't get token creatures, I might as well get counters. There we go. Cathar's Crusade. Oh. Um, this is a beast. It's any, any white deck that is running, uh, that is planning to run more than four creatures in it, can be running this deck and it'll still work out well. And wow, if you're running token creatures, there's no reason for this, uh, for this card to not be in your deck. So, Cathar's Crusade costs five mana. It's three generic, two white, two white mana. It's an enchantment. It says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. So if you have three creatures out and you play a creature, all four of your creatures get a plus one, plus one counter. If you play a spell that puts, oh, I don't know, four token creatures into play, then if even if those are the only creatures you have, each of those creatures see each other going into the battlefield and they each get four. They each get four. Uh, this gets miserable real fast. Um, especially with token decks. Um, March of the Multitudes would be its best friend. Right. I mean, I ran this with Sacred Mesa. Now, Sacred <laughs> Mesa is nothing special. You spend two mana, you get a Pegasus token. So you put a Pegasus token out, it gets a plus one, plus one counter on. Mm -hmm. When you put your next one out, they each get another one. You put the next one out, they each get another one. So there's a ton of plus one, plus one counters floating around. And this is, quite honestly, with a card that really, as far as making tokens, is not particularly great. Mm. But, I mean, once you start building a deck that is revolving around token, token creation... Cathar's Crusade is just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Cathar's Crusade out with a, a when uh, Avenger of Zendikar hits the battlefield. I mean, I don't know how many plant tokens you're getting, but they all just got huge. Um, uh, you know, there are just so many ways to abuse this card, and it is delightful. I, I love the way this card works. I love how it, it pumps up stuff. Um, and I will say that the Ozolith has brought a new dimension to Cathar's Crusade because when you destroy all of my creatures and laugh because, haha, they've all lost their plus one, plus one counters, you'll have to start all over again with tiny little creatures now, not this big, huge army of mass of tokens on top of them that you had before. That mass of tokens just gets shifted over to the Ozolith. And now they're now you're waiting because I'm waiting for the next creature to <laughs> swing because the Ozolith is just going to make that insane. Um, and for somebody who's a token, uh, a token, a creature token junkie like myself, Cathar's uh, Crusade just does does wonderful things. Um, suddenly, all the little bits of ping damage and uh, you know somebody does two damage to all creatures or does whatever. Cathar's uh, Crusade just if you have Cathar's Crusade out, it's likely that almost all of your creatures are at least five fives. Yeah, and it really kind of messes with like combat because I mean, there are a lot of instant speed token makers. Yes, 
so you attack into somebody with Cathar's Crusade, they make a bunch of tokens. Exactly. Uh, and they're they're they make a couple tokens, and all of a sudden, the damage that or the the combat that you had planned out no longer is relevant. Uh, right. Yeah. The especially with token creatures, it is so easy to produce them whenever you need one. Oh yeah. Um, and when you're you know when you're swinging into combat, and you can even sit there and make it known, you know, make it clear. Yeah, I've got four mana up, and it costs me two mana to make a creature. Yeah. And then now the combat math is completely different. They have to assume that every creature there is going to have two more plus one plus one counters, at least, and figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, and that makes it tough. Uh, I will say, uh, the one downside for Cathar's Crusade mm-hmm. um, is all the fiddling. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're not casting a spell that gives you X creatures, so then all of the creatures have the same number of tokens. If you're doing it incrementally, I cast a creature, they all get a counter. I do this creature, they all get a counter. The difficulty is that every single creature likely has a different number of counters on them Mm. because you have to, because it's additive. So the creature that was on, on the battlefield at the start has more counters than the rest. But they're all different, which means that every time you cast a creature, you're now sitting there flipping every single die one. (laughs) And then you cast another one and you're doing it all over again. Or, you know, if you know you're casting three creatures, you cast one, two, three, and then up everybody by three, except for this one that goes up two, except for this one that only goes up one. Yeah. It, It can be... It's Yeah, it just takes a lot of time. Not a lot's happening, but it takes a lot of time. That's just it, and nothing's happening. So your opponents are just watching you flip dice to make sure the numbers are accurate. Um, you got to do what you, Brad does. Just get a just get a bag of little pebbles and use those. Right, as and just keep just keep dropping and another pebble onto it. And then you got to count them. The key here is go as fast as you can. Try and keep all of this in mind because honestly, the longer you take to figure out the counters on a, from from your Cathars Crusade. The more people are going to be pissed off about it. Yeah, now, they're already angry. They're already they're already looking to target to get rid of it. But this just adds to it. While I admit I'm fairly gleefully flipping all of these around, uh, you know, you just have to glance up to realize that nobody else is having a good time watching <laughs> you do this. So, uh, you know, so so do your best to keep it moving along. I thought you brought up a good point too, where generally you're going to have different amount of counters on everything, which goes really nicely with the new mechanic. Mechanic, um, yes, Coven from uh, <clears throat> with creatures with different toughness. Yeah, right. So then you can run your token, cre- so that way you can make token creatures that are all the same power and toughness, but they're all different because of they, they came got- in at different times. Right. So it uh, brilliant. It adds there. There you go. Uh, I'm excited to see how that that kind of works out there you go they're just working Cathar's Crusade with Coven they clearly were they clearly had Cathar's Crusade in mind when they created that ability um (laughs) obviously I'm excited for the new sets um I like that it's two sets back to back yeah um in the same place maybe along the same storyline it I mean goes back what three years to uh pre- newest dominaria where everything was a block um 
I wonder if they're like, especially where next year they're going to be doing two Dominari sets in a row. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're planning on kind of bringing that mentality back of of blocks. Um, well, I hope to. No, mostly just because I like the the storyline setup yeah. that's available with a block format. This was all Innistrad was also a great set for lands. Uh, Gavney Township, Keswick Wolf Run. Uh, these are all great cards. Mm. Um, I like the plane. Uh, looking forward to uh, oh yeah digging digging deep back into some of the older cards and mixing them around with some of the new sets. Yeah. Um, as we go back more and more often, uh, the viability of an Innistrad commander deck. With just just using Innistrad cards Oof. doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a weak deck because it's only yeah. drawing from. I mean the you know, Anya Falconrath. Yeah, the Anya Falconrath precon was pretty like I. Yeah, it wasn't super strong, but it, it did a lot. Uh, <laughs> well, I really like that deck. Uh, Edgar Markov. It's I mean it's readily seen as one of the strongest. They're saying he's precons. Be, they're saying he's so. the guy that gets married. Edgar. Edgar was dead. Deadger. Deadger. Deadger Markov. I don't know. It's Soren's grandpa, right? Yeah, but like they're all thousands of years old. Yeah, I don't know. Gotta die sometime. They're all thousands of years old. And uh, Olivia's like, what? A couple hundred? Vampires are weird. Something like that. Um, I don't know. Anyways. uh, next, Next week, we got two things. Yes. One. It's even more Halloween-y. Weenie. Because it'll be our Halloween episode. Yes. Um, And two, it's our season finale, which means deck building. And I have a challenge for you. We've been talking a lot off mic about how uh, this podcast isn't necessarily a commander podcast. Right. It's heavily influenced by commander because that's our preferred... Uh, format. Yeah, it's so a lot we, of what we play. Yeah, uh, but we also play a lot of sixty card casual. So, challenge for us next week for our deck building finale extravaganza is our favorite zombie from another plane we're coming up uh, again to Dominaria, Lord of Tresserhorn. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this. Uh, Lord of Tressorhorn is one of those cards that, well, I actually opened in an Alliances pack and have struggled to make this card work over and over again. We can do it. Um, so yeah, yeah, should be good. Here we go, episode 40 in T-minus 7 days. Boom! Um, that's, that's what we've got for you today. Uh, there's six cards, plus some more. Uh, from Innistrad, uh, the plane, not just the set. Uh, we we hope you're having an enjoyable autumn, and we'll see you next week with some new decks. Because we're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Booth. Ha ha. Uh, have a great night, and may your fifth land be. Uh, the Gavany Township. No, it doesn't no. work. May your fifth land be the temple. That's better. Bye!
Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.